Welcome to CalCast, your creator national podcast. Network News, episode 185. Welcome, GNN fans, to another episode of God Network News, the podcast that tells you what God's doing around the world, not what CNN tells you, but what GNN tells you is going on in the world. If you're tired of listening to all of that crisis network news and you want to hear what God's doing, well, give us a listen. Greetings to our faithful God Network News listeners. We are excited to bring you more great stories of movements that are happening amongst unreached people groups. Get ready for some fantastic stories of God's faithfulness, of God working even in this difficult time of COVID. She said, Jim, when your wife started praying, my arm started shaking. This arm is severed. <laughs> so my arm started shaking. And then when she finished praying, my it settled down and I just I felt calmness and I went to sleep. <laughs> then the next morning, they wheeled her into the operating room to have an operation. A little while goes by and the doctor comes out upset. <laughs> he says, where are those women that were in the room with my patient all night long? Uh, until they took her someplace else and the operation's already happened <laughs> because the arm has reattached. The blood vessels are reattached. The bone is reattached. Everything is back. When it, we have before photos and after photos. Incredible. And the doctor says, I don't need to amputate. I'll just, the little bit of skin that's still torn here, I'll stitch it together and she can go home tomorrow. So the next day, <laughs> I arrived. I had been off island and I got arrived on the airplane and I went right to the hospital. When I came to this major hospital to the registration, everybody in this hospital, and it's a big hospital, everybody knows about this miracle. I say, where's the woman with the arm? Oh, I'm, uh, she's over here. And they ushered me, every doctor, nurse, janitor, everybody knows where this is. And so I come to her room and it's full of people. And I wade through all the people. I finally get to her bedside. And here she is sitting up in bed, singing praises, praises to Jesus. And I take her home that day. And as I took her home to her house, I said, why did God do this miracle for you? It's not so you can come to a church service and tell other Christians about this. It's so in your neighborhood, you can tell everybody, show everybody who don't know God about the power and kindness of God in your life. Mercy of God for you. And is so you can bring them the faith and see a movement, a church planted there. And that's what happened. She led others to come to faith because of this miracle in her life. I just say that because God wants to release a lot more miracles. And if he knows we won't steal the credit 
and we'll use that miracle to see a movement happen. I believe you and I would see a whole lot more miracles in our lives. So after we saw our tribe come to faith, we spent 20 years there with that tribe, and our job was done, and we said, God, where's the next tribe in town? Because there's 250 tribes and languages in Papua. I figured God would take us over the mountain or down the river to another tribe, but God surprised us. He said the new tribe in town is the younger generation. They have their own language, their own culture, and you're losing a whole generation. And yeah, all the young people are moving from their tribal homelands into the cities. Urbanization happening here. Everybody's going to the cities to look for jobs, to look for school. And in the end, they drop out of school, they don't get jobs, and they start drinking alcohol on the side of the road. First introduction to alcohol, and, they get, and they're drunk in a drunken stupor day and night on the side of the street. And Papua is known for drunkenness. So we moved to the city to work with problem young people. See, my wife and I have a goal in our life, a theme. We want to do those things that nobody else wants to do or can do. If somebody else can do it, let them do it. I want to do that stuff that nobody else wants to do or can do. So lots of people know how to do ministry to nice, clean-cut kids. They don't know, know what to do with broken young people. And the majority of young people today around the world are broken because of broken homes. Divorce is no longer a Western ph phenomenon. It's come to the East. It's come to everywhere. Hong Kong, 50% divorce rate. South Korea, approaching 50% divorce rate. Uh, it's, and who are the, the victims? These kids. And they have lots of brokenness, lots of pain. And so we started doing uh, church for uh, problem peep kids. We started with drunks. A group of boys that drunk on the street, a gang. We brought them into our home. That was our first church. I figured if Jesus could begin with 12 delinquents, I could begin with 12 delinquents. They stopped drinking, got their life together, and uh, started bringing new, new people. Uh, and we started this church that we call it the Problem People Christian Church. <laughs> uh, the House of Glory is really what we call ourselves. And uh, it's just a place where you can change one your old life for a new one and find glory in your life from God. And it's for, for people with problems. So it started with drunks and then extrapolated to drug addicts and then to drug dealers and then prostitutes and then uh, runaway kids and then jail inmates, uh, and then HIV AIDS patients, which we have a lot, and now broken families. So all the people in our church are broken people. And it's church without walls, church happening anywhere and everywhere. And you could say uh, we reach movement status. We made disciples who made disciples who made disciples. Because a movement, what's the definition of movement? Movement is not writing a book or having a TV channel or a YouTube channel, uh, popularity. No, movement is two, two, two. Second Timothy chapter two, verse two, where Paul said, hey, Tim, Timothy, what I give to you, you give it to somebody else who gives it to somebody else. Four generations, from Paul to Timothy to another one to another one. When you reach four generations of new believers, then you can say a movement has begun. You're listening to God Network News Podcast with your host, Cal Curtis. Look up our website at godnetworknews.com. If you haven't gotten that far, don't talk movements. So when here in what's a problem, young people, we reached that, that status. We weren't calling it movement at that time. We were just saying church without walls, church happening anywhere and everywhere. 
and it was going great until God uh, shocked me again uh, 15 years ago on the 26th of December when off the west coast of Sumatra and the other end of Indonesia, uh, under the water, plates opened up and sucked all the water off the west coast of Sumatra. And on the coastline, all the it's all dry and all these kids are coming out of the villages on the coastline getting free fish that's on the dry coast. But then the plates came back and the first wave of the, of the tsunami came up on land. And it took out all those villages. Nobody could run fast enough. Um, then there was a third wave. And, uh, there were three waves of the tsunami. The first one was dark and hot, like a volcanic eruption under the water. Then there was a second wave, and there was a third wave. The third wave was 30 meters high. And at the end, total devastation. Uh, I, could, I was on the other end of Indonesia when this happened. You can't get much further away, Papua from Aceh. But like everybody, we were watching 24-7 on TV, what was being filmed. And one day, two days, three days go by without any aid getting in because uh, all the roads were severed. Nobody, and part of the terminal in the airport had fallen in. So people were not able to get in to help for three days. And the third day after the tsunami, every morning I run. I, I just had my early morning run this morning. My wife and I run 10 kilometers every day and it's our time to pray and hear God talk to us as we run. And we run to keep our fitness up so we don't get malaria all the time here. And so on the third day after the tsunami, I went out running, and as I'm running, God says to me, Jim, go to go to Aceh. <laughs> okay, I go back home, get the family. I said, God wants us to go to Aceh. Okay, <laughs> we load up. My daughter, who was running our medical clinic for the poor, she went to medical training in America, came back, and now runs our medical clinic for the poor. She gathered 150 kilos of medicine and a team. We got plane tickets. We left, and we arrived in Banda Aceh on the night of the third day after the tsunami in the first commercial aircraft allowed to land. Miracle. And as I come off the tar, the, onto the tarmac, off the plane to the tarmac, I smell the stench of rotting bodies everywhere because no cleanup has gone on for three days. Bodies are everywhere. I walk through this major modern city where half of it has been swept out to the ocean, like with a broom, it's gone. And I realize 250,000 people have gone to a Christless eternity. And this really bothered me because People said, Jim, you're so successful in Papua with all this stuff happening. Uh, but when I saw this vast need now in East, Western Indonesia, it makes everything I look doing in Eastern Indonesia so small. Uh, and I, and it, it just really bothered me. Uh, came back home to Papua after a lot of work in Aceh for quite a while. And a few weeks later, I'm on my motorcycle. I'm a guy that likes to ride a motorcycle. I don't drive a car. And I'm riding my motorcycle, and someone is coming from another direction, hits me broadside, takes my bike many meters down the road, and I go flying through the air with the Lord. And as I come down and kiss the asphalt, my shoulder cracks in two places. Uh, one side is a different shape than the other side now. <laughs> but I survived, and I asked God, God, uh, how many more of these accidents can I survive? How much more time on this earth do I have? And I promised God that day, with the remaining time I have, I won't be satisfied with a few growing churches in Papua. Could my eyes see a movement from one end of this country to the other before I leave this earth? So I gathered 12 leaders from a youth ministry network that I was part of at that time across the country. 
These are people who are successful. They, they can gather thousands of kids in church services, but they were frustrated. Is that all there is? Just rah, rah in church services. So we went off to the jungle for three days to pray and dream. No other agenda. Just pray and dream. And at the end of three days, we agreed to erase the blackboard. Everything we know about how to plant churches, forget it. Everything we know about how to evangelize, forget it. And go back to the guidebook, uh, the Bible. How did Jesus plant the first church? Because I had a sneaking suspicion if, G- if I did it Jesus' way, I might get Jesus' results. But I can do it my way and get results, but maybe there's more. So we went back to see how did Jesus plant the first church. And it's not the book of Acts, it's the Gospels. The 12 disciples are his first church. And we wanted to get the DNA that he put into those guys that then erupted on the day of Pentecost. And the church then exploded. <laughs> okay, what's that DNA? We got one DNA and we went out and practiced for three months. Across Indonesia, came back, held each other accountable. Got another DNA value, went out and practiced for three months, came back, held each other accountable. After a year, these guys are seeing stuff they never thought possible. After two years, they're training people in their different regions what they're learning. Now, after 15 years, uh, been a, a lot, uh, a lot of churches planted. A lot of people come to faith. I'm not going to talk about numbers, but uh, our eyes have seen movement happen here that's gone all across this country and to other countries uh, adjacent to here. But uh, movement, that's why I want just to kind of close off this little podcast If it's happening in one place, I think it means God wants it to happen everywhere. I don't think he uh, favors Indonesia over Australia or over America or any place else. Uh, If it's happening in India, if it's happening in China, if it's happening in Africa, if it's happening in Asia, probably means he wants it to happen everywhere. And the problem is not that the harvest isn't ready. It's the harvesters, us, we're not ready. And what would it look like if God, all of a sudden this week, 50% of your population came to faith? Would that change the way you do church? Yep, sure would. So we need to get this uh, wineskin ready for the harvest because it's the best time of our lives. Uh, Stuff is happening around the world. Uh, Every day, every week, even in this pandemic, this COVID pandemic, we're seeing awesome stuff happen. Uh, Nothing is going to thwart God's purposes. So keep believing in movements because that's what God's doing today in all across the world. Uh, and where you're at, I pray God, let movement happen. These people who are listening and are watching today, I ask that you're, you take them into the center of your will and keep them right there. Don't allow them to go out one step and let your perfect uh, kingdom come. Your will be done for them. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider donating to help us continue to bring exciting stories fresh from the field. Visit our website at godnetworknews.com and select the PayPal link on the right side of the page or consider becoming a Patreon partner to receive access to more valuable materials exclusive to our members.